Hear now God's word, beginning with Genesis 4, 2 through 5. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel in his offering, but for Cain in his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Genesis fourteen seventeen through 20. After his return from the defeat of Kedorlamer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheveh, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. In Genesis 28, 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. This is the word of the Lord. Before we look at the text this morning, I want to um, just let you know it's coming. We um, Next week starts in the Christian calendar, the season of Advent. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, that just is a word that means arrival. And so we're talking about the arrival of Jesus, the anticipation, the greatest miracle, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God coming into human history and taking on flesh. And so we're starting a new series next week, and it's called... The Misfit Mothers of Jesus. If you look in the, the Gospel of Matthew's genealogy, that's the list of Jesus' ancestors, there are only five women who are mentioned. And you would think that Jesus' genealogy would include only the most pure, the most pristine people. And that is absolutely not the case and so we are going to look at four of the five women, the one that we're not, Rahab, we just covered a, a few months ago as we were going through the book of Hebrews. And so I want you to know what's coming because their stories are really messy. And um, we're going to look at the fullness of each of the texts about them, and there will be things happening that are rather um, scandalous and mature. And so I just want you to know that that is what's coming and um, what, what we are going to find is that this is actually really good news. 
because Jesus is not someone who only receives the pure. He actually receives people who are a mess, people like you and me. Amen? So that's what's coming. And, and so on to this morning. We are uh, finishing this series called Grateful and Generous. And what we're doing, my hope is that you will, our elders are asking you to submit a card that will commit you to uh, giving for the 2023 calendar year to the ministry of this church, to all the things that we do as a church. And if you have not done that, I, I hope you've received a card. If you haven't, there are cards over here at both of those tables, and you're welcome to take one with you. Um, so far, I just want to give you an update. We have 39 cards that have come in. That is fantastic because last year, all of 2022, we had 38 cards total. So we've already beat 2022. I'm very grateful for that and just ask that you consider this. And what we're talking about this morning has to do with being generous as individuals in, in gratitude for what God has done for us. And I really want to put this in the context that it should be in, and that is the incredible generosity of this congregation, specifically over the last four years. It's truly been remarkable, and we all have just so much to be thankful to God for, for the generosity of his people. And I, I want to show you what, what it's been like over the last four years. So in 2019, that was the year that we left the, the old building, and we moved in here. And the ministry budget, the ministry giving for the, the ministries of the church, $1.3 million, a little bit more. And the capital campaign, 36000 Now that looks maybe small compared to the, the numbers I'm going to show you in a minute. But it's important to point out we had not asked anyone for money. <laughs> like we hadn't started a capital campaign yet. And people still gave to a um, yet un, un, unstarted capital campaign. That's pretty amazing and reflective of people's just... Incredible commitment to the future of this church. And then in 2020, um, ministry about the same, 946000 was given to the capital campaign, which is amazing. Uh, until you look at 2021, where uh, ministry about the same and capital campaign, $1.6 million given. And then this year, year to date, we're at a million in ministry, a little over, and $1.1 in capital campaign giving. That is incredible. So thank you, and um, thanks be to God for his incredible uh, provision for this church, for the ministry of the church, and the future of the church. It really is remarkable, because I will point out that in 2019, when we left the building, we had more people coming than we do today. And there have been a number of things that have happened. You know, we left the building, and then 20, I don't know if anybody remembers 2020, you guys Okay, good. I, I do too. And it's been wild. And yet God has provided incredibly and uh, just so grateful for that. As elders, we are so incredibly grateful. And, and yet there are folks who are new, who maybe have not participated in that way. There are folks who have, but perhaps have not gone uh, the, the way that what, what I'm going to um, challenge you to consider this morning. And that is that um, I am going to challenge us to be generous tithers, tithers. And, I, and I'm going to define that, but here are the three questions that I want us to think about in this message. First, how do we give? Like, what, 
how should our posture be as we give? Number two, how much ought we give? And number three, why should we give? So those three questions are what we're going to look at this morning as we go through these texts. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here together, and we pray now that you would uh, bless our time, that you would help me to speak only the words that you want me to speak. And Lord, I pray that these brothers and sisters would test my words against your word, which is the, uh, the authority for our lives and for what to believe. And I pray that you would um, continue to bless this body of Christ as you have so richly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first question is, how are we to give? How should we give? Uh, the answer that we find in the scriptures is we are to give generously and we're to give by faith. And I want to look at Genesis chapter 4, that passage there, first. If you look in Genesis chapter 4, you see the first two people that are naturally born in the way that all people who are born afterwards follow, with the exception of Jesus, okay? So you have Adam and Eve, they're created by God. God creates Adam out of the dirt, God creates Eve out of Adam, and then he presides over the very first wedding, the very first human relationship is a marriage relationship, and that forms the pattern going forward, one man, one woman, together, forever, and Adam and Eve have two children, and those two children are Cain and Abel, and you'll notice that they both bring, and there's no instruction about this in the Word of God, but they both bring an offering before the Lord. And what that tells us is that before the law is given, people know that they are to give to God a portion of what they have so generously been given by Him. Does that make sense? And you see this in all different religious traditions. And so that tells me not that um, we should be careful about that or something. That tells me that God has given everyone a sense, if they are willing to listen, that they owe something to this great God. They, they may not know all the specifics about God. They may not have the law revealed or, the, or Jesus revealed to them, but they do know that there's a creator who made them and that they owe something back to him. And that starts very, very early in the word of God in Genesis chapter 4. So you see the two brothers they bring two different offerings. I don't think it matters at all. They're different professions. You know, Abel's a herdsman and Cain works the ground. He's a farmer. Well, do you notice how it describes the two offerings? It says, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. That's the description. It's pretty, um, how many of you have heard the word mid? Raise your hand if you've used that, okay? It's all young people who use the word mid. You, you guys who are old, you don't know this word, okay? It just means mediocre. I mean, you could probably guess it. And what Cain offers is mid. It is so unexceptional. It's, it's just a, like, here you go, God, I'll, I'll give you something. So here, take this. Compare that to Abel's offering. Let's look at what it says in verse 4. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Much more descriptive. And what it describes is a, a painful gift from Abel. Something that hurts. Something by faith. Because it's the firstborn and it's fat. Let's say he has ten cows. Does he give the, the tenthborn cow? 
that's, that's weak and sickly and might die? And does he say, well, I better give it to God because I don't need it anyway and it might die anyway? No, no. He doesn't keep the nine big, beautiful bovines for himself. He gives the firstborn. And that takes faith. Just as we're asking you to make a commitment to the ministry budget in 2023, before you actually know how much you're going to make, you do it by faith. He does it by faith. And what is the result? It says the Lord has regard for his offering. And that word in the Hebrew means to gaze or to look at something. He looks at the offering. It it pleases him. But he has no regard for Cain's offering because it is so very media. It's not a sacrifice. And so this is a very good question for you to ask yourself. And you are the only one who can answer it. Am I giving something that is mid? Or am I actually giving something that is fat and firstborn, that is generously by faith? You're the, you're the only one who can answer it. And I know that there has been um, a lot of, uh, I don't know, damage done by some churches. You know, they've just been, they, they hound people, hammer people about money. And, and you might have your defenses up because at church, oh, they're always they're talking about money again. And I, I can't stand that. I really want to encourage you to look at what Cain's response is when God, and, I, and, and this is between you and God, so, but, but when God doesn't have regard for Cain's offering, you know, God is perfectly just and he judges all things rightly. And what Cain could have done was been repentant and humble. Instead, he's resentful and he's angry. And some of you know the result of that. Cain ends up out of resentment and anger and jealousy killing his brother Abel, and the first murder happens between the first two brothers who are born. So we want to be open. We want to hear what the Word of God says and respond appropriately. And so my question for you is, are you giving generously and by faith? Uh, Second, the second question is, how much should we give? How much? Well, uh, my, the answer, and this, listen, again, I, I prayed this, and I encourage you to do this. You may have a hard time with the the tithe that that I'm going to define, and this is my definition. This is not coming from Matthew chapter 48, okay? There is no Matthew chapter 48. This this is my my the definition I'm putting before you to consider, okay? And I want to I want to persuade you that the Bible actually does in fact talk about us tithing uh, year after year and and even growing in generosity beyond that. But this is what tithing is giving back to God the first 10% of your income through the local church primarily other Christian ministries secondarily and the reason why I say the local church primarily is because every Christian is called to be a member of a local body of Christ and the body of Christ the church is that institution organization movement that the gates of hell will not prevail against it's very very important now it's also important to give to other Christian ministries, and Leah and I do that every single year. It's very, we, we highly recommend that. We put ministries before you to support and to serve. So, uh, but primarily, we are saying that that 10% goes to your local church, to this church. And I want to give you the case for why you would see that as a biblical call to, to do this. So let, let's look first at Genesis chapter 14. In Genesis chapter 14, we see this guy Abraham, or Abram, really important guy. If you're not familiar with the Bible and you've never heard of Abraham, 
In Genesis 12, God makes a promise to him that through him, all the peoples and nations of the world will be blessed. And that, that promise finds its ultimate fulfillment in who? In Jesus. That's right. If I ask a question, if you say Jesus, you're probably going to get it right, okay? Or the Bible. Jesus or the Bible, okay? Yes, Jesus is an ancestor of Abraham's, and he is the fulfillment of all that God promises to people. And in this passage, Abram is looking after his nephew Lot, who gets into trouble. And Lot gets taken, and so Abram goes to rescue him and goes to war at, against uh, Kedorlamer. I think that's how you pronounce it. And he wins, and he comes back. And this very mysterious guy, the king of Salem, and Salem is almost certainly Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and he is both a king and a priest. Who does that remind you of? Jesus. You guys are learning. That's right, Jesus. And he brings out bread and wine. Does that sound familiar to you? So there's all this symbolism with Melchizedek connected to Christ that in the book of Hebrews kind of fleshes that out for us. But the thing I want to point out is that it is the greater who blesses the lesser. So Melchizedek blesses someone as great as Abraham. And Abraham gives him what? A tenth. He tithes to Melchizedek. Now, fast forward two generations. Genesis 28. So you got Abraham, you got Isaac, his son, and then Isaac's son, Jacob. And Jacob is um, going from one place to another, and he stops and spends the night in what will be the promised land. And he has this incredible dream. Do you know the dream? There's a ladder coming from heaven, and there are angels going up and down on it, Jacob's ladder. And God makes this amazing promise in this vision that Jacob has. And I want to show you the promise because it's, it's a continuation of the promise that God gave to Abraham that he's fulfilled ultimately in Christ. He says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You'll sh you shall be spread abroad to the west, east, north, and south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. And um, in response, Jacob makes this vow. He, he makes a promise to God. Out of gratitude, he makes a promise back and says, I'll be generous. Everything that I give you, uh, of everything you give me, I will tithe to you. And I want, th there's, there's, um, there's a really important point here that I, I referenced earlier, and that is that before the law is given, before Moses gets the law, which does include you, you are to tithe, you are to give back to the Lord, people are tithing. I guess it's built into the history of God's people. And then I want you to skip the Proverbs verse for just a second. We'll come back to it. But if you look in Matthew 23, 23, this is the only time in the New Testament that tithing is mentioned. And it's not the main point. But yet listen to what Jesus says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You tithe out of your spice rack even. You're so meticulous about tithing. You're mint, dill, cumin. But you have failed the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Jesus is saying to self-righteous people, what you do to tithe, even down to your spice rack, does not mean that now the rest of your life is your own and you can be selfish and mean and not care about fairness and not care about showing mercy. 
No, those are the weightier matters. How you treat other people is weightier. And yet, what does Jesus not do? He does not invalidate the tithe. In fact, he says you, you should continue to do it. So in all of these cases, in the Old New Testament, tithing is what is laid before us. And again, I want you to wrestle with that. Some of you, I heard through the capital campaign, you began to tithe. And I just talked to a woman after the first service. And this has nothing to do with the, the quantity that you give. Um, I talked to a woman who does not have a lot of quantity to give. But she pulled me aside and she said, I just want you to know how much of a blessing it's been to me. That I have stretched, I haven't known how I'm going to do it, but I've made a commitment and I've done it, and the Lord has been so good to me. And by the way, that doesn't mean that she's all of a sudden rich at all. It just means that she's had enough, and the Lord has, has blessed her. And so we see in the scriptures that there is this, this um, example and this, even this command to tithe. There's, there's one other objection that I hear sometimes about tithing, and it is, well, the Old Testament makes much of it. The New Testament doesn't. The New Testament doesn't talk about it that much. It's only mentioned once. Shouldn't it just be generosity? And if you want to go that way, I think that's appropriate. But if you look in the Old Testament before Jesus came, before God gave the, the fullness of the gospel and it was tithing, how much more generous ought we to be after Jesus has come? You see where I'm going with this? Can I get an amen? amen. Well, I did. I got an amen. Good, good. So uh, I, I, this, is a, this is something that, that Christians ought to, at the very least, be working toward and even beyond. And, and here's the last thing. Why should we give? We should give out of grateful obedience because we are, we are grateful to God and because we trust in his promise that he will actually bless us as we are faithful to him. He will bless us as we do this. You see, all of these texts are set in the context of blessing through obedience and cursing in Matthew 23 through disobedience. We see Abel being blessed. Cain, the photo negative of that blessing. And yes, Abel is, is killed. And yet still he was faithful. And he was blessed as opposed to his brother Cain. Abraham blessed by Melchizedek. Jacob blessed with the same promise that Abraham received. And the Pharisees being cursed because they are not fulfilling what God has commanded them to do. Proverbs 3 is a good example of a theme throughout the scriptures. And it is the theme that as you are faithful, God blesses you. As you are faithful, God blesses you. To be clear, this is not the blessing of just more cash for yourself so you can spend it on yourself, okay? Now, this could, if we only read this passage, read like that. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I, I would say in our day, in the 21st century in America, and this is not to say that times are not difficult for uh, a, a number of us because it's just we're, we're in a weird economic time. Nevertheless, in the 21st century, we have more abundance than any culture in, any, in the history of all humankind. And so at the very least, part of this, and being faithful with what we have and what we give, is that we, 
we do all we can to stop comparing ourselves to people around us who have slightly more. You know what I mean? Like if, I'll give you an example. If you're driving down the middle lane of the freeway, okay, and here comes a car up on your left, and it's a Bentley, baby, and that thing looks so nice. And look at the guy in there. I mean, you can barely see him, but he looks really happy. And you might be like, Lord, I mean, I, I, I'm faithful to you. I don't know if this guy's a believer, but I'm faithful. Maybe, maybe I should have that. Or why can't I have that? Or I, I deserve a Bentley. And then you pass a car on your right. And it, it's not a Bentley. It's a beater. And you're looking at that car. Um, what I'm saying is that we should all be looking here and not the other way. We should be thankful for what we have. And if you don't have a beater, if you don't have a car, then be thankful for what God has given you. That doesn't mean that we, we can't you know, desire to be able to provide and have what we need. Of course we ought to. But the reality is that the, the commandment not to covet is something every single one of us should probably be repenting of often. Amen? And so part of this, why, why give, give generously, and you know, what keeps us from doing that is sometimes that we compare and we are always comparing upwards. Now, uh, Proverbs are not ironclad promises that if this, then this, okay? They are truisms that generally apply. We would never teach, I will never teach, that if you give, you're going to get, you're going to be rolling in dough all for yourself. Because that is a lie. And we make fun of prosperity preachers who tell you that God's a vending machine, and if you just do X, Y, and Z, he has to give you more cash. Okay? That is a ridiculous doctrine that Joel Osteen and others teach to name names. So don't follow those characters, okay? They are to be made fun of, not followed and taken seriously. Because it is a tremendous sin to prey upon the material, earthly, uh, worldly desires that we all have and try to say that if you just give to this or that ministry, God's going to make you rich so that you can use those riches on yourself. Amen? Okay. I hope I didn't offend Joel Osteen listeners. I know he, he, can, he can make you feel good sometimes. I just encourage you to listen to somebody else. So what faithfulness looks like, grateful obedience and trusting his promises, is actually that we do trust him in all situations. And we actually can pray that God would bless us and actually bless the work of our hands. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Psalm 90, 17. It is not a bad prayer. It is good prayer to pray, God, bless my work. I pray that you would bless it. It's just, why? Why do we bless it? Why do we ask for his blessing? We ask for his blessing so that we would be good stewards with what we have. So that we would have more impact for the kingdom. And sometimes that blessing does look like the Lord giving you a lot of resources to steward. That's a blessing. That's not bad. That's good. But make sure you are proving yourself faithful. Okay? 
Make sure you're proving yourself faithful. And it is possible to be faithful and have a lot of resources. It's also possible to be faithful when you, you don't have a whole lot and life is really, really difficult. Do you remember when we preached through Hebrews chapter 11? I really hope you do because we spent like three months in Hebrews chapter 11, okay? At the end of Hebrews chapter 11, the, the writer summarizes, it, he said that some of God's people conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, established, like o- overcame armies, established entire kingdoms. This is the, the, the work of our hands being blessed. And then in the same sentence, you know what the writer says? Others were flogged, imprisoned, sawn in two. Faithfulness knows what to do in both situations. Believe me, I'm not saying they're equally easy. They are not. But faithfulness knows what to do in both situations. Faithfulness can be generous in both situations. And I want to give you an example. I want to close with an example of a guy who, uh, just a pretty amazing guy who um, I just found out about a week ago Saturday. And he's a football player, okay? And he plays for Ohio State. For those of you who don't root for Ohio State, just want you to know, I ran this analogy by a Michigan fan. And he said, you should use it. It's a good one, okay? So um, nobody's walking out? Good, okay. This, uh, Cameron Babb caught a, uh, his first catch as a um, football player was a touchdown catch. And it was last, last Saturday. And this guy was a highly, highly touted recruit, came to Ohio State. I'm sure he had visions of being, you know, leading wide receiver, first-round draft pick. Instead, he has had four ACL tears. And he has worked and worked, and he could have quit any time. He was voted a captain by his peers without contributing once on the field which says a lot about him. And here is right after he caught the pass, he's bowing before King Jesus, thanking him and honoring him. And in the um, press conference afterwards, uh, this is what he said. I love football, love what it can do uh, for so many people, but I know there's a whole world with a whole bunch of stuff going on out there and so many people need hope. And so if I could give and shine the light of Jesus that he's given me and give that to others, I think that's my responsibility as a son of God, as a son of Jesus. And um, for him, I'm sure the script did not go according to how he would have written it. I don't think he's going to play in the NFL. But he's using all that he has, and he he has much, he's blessed, To shine the light of Jesus in the world. And you and I have the exact same opportunity. And part of what we are called and commanded to do is to do that with the resources that we have been given by God. And so my encouragement to you, my challenge to you, is to just take another step in that direction. Some of you, like I said, you've been so unbelievably generous and you've tithed and maybe the next step is to go just a little bit beyond. Your, your, your capital campaign commitment is, is maybe, maybe it's done. 
And maybe there's something more that the Lord wants you to do. And for others, you're just starting in this. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you are just, you now have a full-time income, a full-time job. And what do you do with that? Maybe for you, it's just to take the next step and maybe you'll get to tithing eventually, but you take the next step today. Whoever you are, whatever it is, be faithful with what God has given to you out of a grateful heart because he will bless you. He will bless you in your faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your promises. You are so good. And often, the blessings you give us are, um, are maybe not the ones that we, would, that we would choose on our own. That is true for, uh, for numerous of your people who are in the midst of grief and suffering right now. And I pray for each one of them right now. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you... Um, sent your son Jesus to die for us. You spared not your own son. And Jesus, we thank you for coming and for giving us the greatest gift that we could have, forgiveness of sins, salvation. You rose from the grave to conquer sin, death, hell, and Satan on our behalf. And we are so grateful for that gift. That gift pales in comparison to anything else we might have or want. And we pray that we would see our salvation in that light. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who does not know you. I pray that those who are here today, who, who are not Christians, would understand the gospel, would understand that, God, you created them for a relationship with you, that they have broken faith, they have rejected you, they have gone the other way, just like the rest of us, and that you sent Jesus as a rescuer to die on the cross for sins, to rise from the grave, and you offer eternal life, forgiveness, salvation for all who would repent and trust in you. And I pray that anybody who's listening right now, if they want relationship with you, Jesus, that they would even right now just say that they're sorry for their sins and that they would trust in Jesus, that indeed, Jesus, you did die for sins and you rose from the grave. And I pray that anybody who does that for the first time today would, would tell someone about it. We thank you, Lord, for the many, many blessings that you've given us, material blessings that you've given us. Help us to faithfully and generously trust you and respond by giving. And um, we thank you so much for, for your love. And we pray now, Father, according to how Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's continue to worship.